0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for a victory Monday. I cannot believe, not that I'm saying that, I really can believe that the Steelers went into Baltimore beat the Ravens, which ended their season and ultimately kept the Steelers' playoff hopes alive. On top of that, I can believe that the Steelers beat the Ravens, meaning they've beaten them four straight times. You have to go all the way back to 2019. For the last time, the Steelers have lost a regular season game against the Baltimore Ravens, regardless of venue. What I'm surprised about is that the Jacksonville Jaguars found a way to not just beat the Indianapolis Colts and Jacksonville, which, by the way, you talk about the Steelers winning four in a row. I said this on Friday. Dave Schofield said it last Thursday that the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. And that streak continues. The Jaguars do the thing. They get the win. The Steelers find a way to beat the Ravens 16 to 13 in overtime. And at the time that this is being recorded, because I'm not waiting until the morning. I can't wait until the morning. This The Chargers are up on the Raiders, and as long as that game doesn't end in a tie, the Pittsburgh Steelers have punched their ticket to the playoffs. And they would be traveling to play the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium next weekend. When? We'll find out. As of right now, we don't know. But the fact that this has become a reality, so unless the Raiders and Chargers tie, in which case a lot of the talking points in this podcast might be moot, Unless that happens, the fact that the Steelers have somehow, some way clawed their way back into this playoff picture is remarkable. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to make sure I take the time to remind you, the listener, about BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you go there for the latest playoff scenarios, updates, injury updates, things like that. We have it all. It's all going to be broken down for you right there in one spot, behindthesteelcurtain.com. On top of that, your podcast platform. If you're listening to this on Twitter or social media, or if you're listening on the website itself and the megaphone player, you can find us in all of our content wherever you get your podcasts. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, where you can give us a five-star rating now. Do that, please. Also on Apple Podcasts, do that. Give us a five-star rating. Love to get our ratings up. We appreciate all the help there. That way you don't miss anything. That's not just my Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but that's Dave Schofield, Stat Geek on Thursday, the Live Mike on Tuesday, all of our noon lineup and our PM content. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. I'll tell you what else you don't want to miss is anything pertaining to these Pittsburgh Steelers, i got to tell you, I'm on cloud nine right now. I am on cloud nine, and even if this stupid Sunday night football game, which I'll get to that when the winners and losers segment in the second half, even if this stupid Sunday night game ends in a tie and the Steelers don't make the playoffs, I'm still on cloud nine. I'm still on cloud nine for so many reasons. It is, well, I mean, it, it almost feels like it's endless. Where do you start other than Ben Roethlisberger? I said it two weeks ago, that when everything looked like it was so, it was so grim, that the outlook was, it was dire. The Steelers had just gotten shellacked in Kansas City, and everyone's like, oh, here come the Browns on primetime, and then the Ravens, they might not win another game. And I said, look, whether they make the playoffs or not, Ben Roethlisberger has a chance to have a legendary finish to his career by beating the Browns at home on Monday night, going into M&T Bank Stadium, and beating the Ravens. It's exactly what he did. But it's not just that. This game was so much different than Monday night. On Monday night, it almost felt like the Steelers' offense won despite of Ben Roethlisberger. Najee Harris rushes for 188 yards. Roethlisberger throws for 123 with 46 attempts. In this game, what well, they needed Ben Roethlisberger. They needed Ben Roethlisberger. Najee Harris goes down in the first half early. I think it was the first quarter with an elbow injury. It looked really ugly. I'm shocked he was able to return, but he didn't return until late in the second half. Benny Snell did an okay job. I'm not here to crack down on Benny Snell. I said in the post-game podcast with Dave Schofield, I said, look, I, th- I was impressed with Benny Snell. If Benny Snell is your number two next year, I think fans should be happy. Najee Harris could actually take a break from time to time. But this offense is so much better when Najee Harris is in the game. And when he returns, shock to no one, anyone that's paying attention, that is when things kind of started to turn around. Things started to open up. Roethlisberger started to find some of the open receivers more. He trusted things a little bit more. And Najee Harris made some great plays. The one-handed catch, the 14-yard run that set up Chris Boswell's game-winning field. But they needed Roethlisberger. Third down conversion on that last drive in overtime. Third down conversion, Pat Fryermuth. What a throw. What a freaking throw that was. Go watch the replay of that throw. Roethlisberger has about a one-foot window to put that football in and drilled it. Drilled it. And then you go to the second third down conversion to Deontay Johnson. Another great route by Deontay Johnson, wide open. There you go. Fourth and eight. Fourth and eight, the Steelers convert to Ray-Ray McLeod. Not a pretty play. As pretty as the Friar Muth perception was, this one was ugly. But nonetheless, it got the job done, moving the chains. They needed Roethlisberger in this game, and he delivered. He delivered again. What a fitting way to end your regular season and your regular season career than to have the team on your back, and you're the one leading them down the field for the victory. Man, this is just awesome. It was so great, so great, and the defense played great. I I was so happy to see Terrell Edmonds have a good game. I'm going to get into more of these individual accolades and stats in the second half. Terrell Edmonds had a great game, come up with an interception. How how can we not say anything about T.J. Watt? I'll be curious, by the way. I'll be curious to see if T.J. Watt doesn't get the sacks necessary to be the lone sack king of the NFL. You all watched that play at the beginning of the game, uh, I believe it was the first quarter, maybe second quarter, where uh, Watt, there was a fumble. It was a, kind of a botched snap. Tyler Huntley gets the ball, picks up, definitely has possession. And then here comes TJ Watt, forces the fumble. They Everyone thought it was a sack. I was not alone when I tweeted out, yes, he did it. He tied it. Congratulations, TJ Watt. And then it gets taken away. The NFL or the statistician says, no, that was a f- forced fumble. That was a run. It wasn't a throw. Well, he wasn't a thrower at the time. So in that regard, he gets he loses that sack. He does get a sack later, so he's definitely tied. I wouldn't be shocked. I would love it if the NFL were to say we're decided to give him a sack on that play. Therefore, he would finish with, I believe, 23.5 sacks. Would be the sole, both official and unofficial, sack king of the National Football League. T.J. Watt, a phenomenal game. There were so many plays, though, that kind of got forgotten. They kind of not get swept under the rug, but the the plays that honestly you watched and they were huge, but just because of the way things ended and because of the overtime and because of the, the stress and the anxiety of the moment, how big was that pass breakup by Minka Fitzpatrick on Hollywood Brown on the sideline? Like no one's talking about that play. Hollywood Brown toe taps the sideline. He has the ball in his possession until Minka Fitzpatrick comes over and separates the football from his hands. A tremendous play. Absolutely tremendous. Cam Hayward, and I'll talk about Cam in the second half, just a monster. Just a monster performance. Chris Boswell, so good. So reliable. And I know he's missed some kicks. Um, Everyone's missed kicks this year. But so, anyone have a doubt? I didn't. That he was going to make that game-winning kick? Get out of here. Get out of here. Already had the tweet written up before he even kicked the football. Get out of here. Still, I mean, game recap, everything. It was amazing. Uh, there's just all these small plays. Cam Sutton's Cam Sutton's interception in the end zone of Huntley took points off the board. I mean, these are plays that you know, the, the legendary football coach, Joe Gibbs, who coached the Washington Redskins Super Bowl winning coach, he always said that you can boil a, a, an NFL game or a game of football down to four to five plays. Which way those plays go is how the game will go. And in this case... The Steelers made those plays, whether it's those conversions that I talked about, whether it's the the, the Najee Harris 14-yard run, whether it's Minka Fitzpatrick's pass breakup, whether it's TJ Watt's sack or Chris Wormley getting pressure or Cam Hayward getting to the quarterback, all these little plays add up. Ray-Ray McLeod's great returning. He has some great returns in this game. Just really, really great to see the Steelers kind of put things together. Was it a pretty win? No. But I'll would take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. But I want to continue with something, and I want to kind of bring this regular season full circle. I might dive into this more on Wednesday, but I wanted to get this in now because if, if, if the Steelers make the postseason, which we all assume they will, well, we're going to be diving headfirst into that, and I feel like it's going to get uh, kind of lost in the shuffle. Leading into this season, the Pittsburgh Steelers had the toughest schedule in the National Football League. And that was something that was talked about a lot as the year progressed. Everyone was saying, you know, in the preseason training camp, oh my gosh, hardest schedule out there, hardest schedule out out there. And yet as the season went on and the Steelers showed some struggles, it's almost like people kind of forgot that simple statistic that the Steelers had the most difficult schedule in the National Football League. But let's just go back and take a look here for a second. Okay, the Steelers lost seven games this year. They finished the regular season 9-7-1. and one. The Bengals, they lose two times to the Bengals. The Bengals finished 10-7. and seven. They're in the playoffs, won the division. They lose to the Packers. The Packers finished 13-4. and four. They're in the playoffs. They lose to the Chiefs, 12-5. and five. They win their division. They're in the playoffs. They lose to the Raiders, 9-7. and seven. If they win Sunday night, they're in the playoffs. They lose to the Chargers, 9-7, and seven, in the playoffs if they win. And the lone team that they lost to, the Vikings, 8-9, and nine, still were in playoff contention almost up until the end. You know, the, the losing to the bad teams, I understand where that's still kind of a talking point. And the Detroit game's going to stick out like a sore thumb, but let's also not forget that that was a game that the Steelers didn't have Ben Roethlisberger at the ready. They had to go to uh, Mason Rudolph on a Saturday. I remember sitting in my kitchen, and all of a sudden it comes through on my phone, Ben Roethlisberger's on the COVID-19 list, won't be playing. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness. So you have that situation, but look at those teams, Bengals, Packers, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers. They're good football teams, people. They're good football teams. The Raiders were red hot when the Steelers played them in week two. You can't think about teams at that time, meaning right now. So maybe the Raiders were struggling, even though they're not struggling right now But at the end of the season. But they were really, really a red hot team when they came to Heinz Field in week two. And the Chargers were really flying high. It's a situation where the Pittsburgh Steelers did have a tough schedule and they just seemed to find a way. But another thing here is that the Steelers have been taking the football away. They've been taking the football away on defense. You want to point to something that's like, okay, where does that one statistic that the Steelers, could you can say they'll win if they do this. It's take the ball away. In the last four games, the defense has generated nine turnovers. That's 2.3 a game. That shouldn't be a shock to anyone that they went 3-1 in that stretch. The first 13 games... The defense had 13 takeaways. That's one per game, and they went six, six, and one. They get those turnovers; they win football games. The recipe for success with this team is is really clear cut, and we'll, I'll talk about that again in the second half when we get to winners and losers. But ultimately, I want folks to sit back and be able to take this take in this regular season, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. If there's a playoff berth or if there isn't, doesn't matter. Take in this 9-7-1 season at face value. We talked about the schedule, but also we didn't talk about the injuries to players like Tyson Alualu, Stefan Tewitt never playing. The COVID issues, the groin injuries. I mean, I could go on and on for crying out loud this last game. They didn't even have their defensive coordinator. Mike Tomlin was the one calling the defense. He and Terrell, Terrell Austin. They've had a lot of issues. Now, have they had injured reserve issues like the Baltimore Ravens? No. No, I I can't think any team has been as uh, decimated by these huge injuries to players like J.K. Dobbins and uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And you name the big-time player for them, and they're probably either on IR or banged up. I got a text from my buddy who's a season ticket for the Ravens said, hey, congratulations. You beat us with a fourth, you beat our fourth string. Of course, my response is, I'll take any win I can get against you bums. But he's like, ah, you know, we're in a better spot because now we get to draft higher, blah, 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 whatever. That's fine. They'll be watching the Steelers play in the playoffs. But take this season in for what it's worth. Not just Ben Roethlisberger's last season. Take it in for the fact that this team never quit. When everyone wrote them off, and Mike Tomlin said this after the game, he said, you all wrote us off after 1-3 and three start. And a lot of people did. A lot of people did. They were able to find their way back, claw their way back to being significant, to being relevant again, and then when it mattered most, it, it, they got the job done. And I'm not talking about Jacksonville and Indianapolis. I'm talking about they had to take care of their own business. One of the worst things that they could have done was, was not take care of their own business, but they did. They got the job done. And there were a lot of players that deserve a lot of credit for that win. And we're going to get into that when I have 10 winners and 4 losers coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. Alright, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, and as we always do after a game, winners and losers time. Like I said, 10 winners and 4 losers in this 16-13 to overtime win in Baltimore against the Ravens. If you're just catching this for the first time, then every, you know, I just, I label winners, I label losers. I've done this column for the website for a long time now. And so I decided this, I think it was last season, I started to say, okay, why don't I start doing this as a podcast, as a segment? So I started it, very popular, and so this is what we do after every game. Win or lose doesn't matter. And so let's get things off with the winners, shall we? Top winner, Ben Roethlisberger, 30 of 44, 244 yards a five-and-a-half-yard average, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked one time for nine yards and an 80.1 rating. Like I said earlier, like on Monday night versus the Browns, it wasn't pretty. I don't know if there's going to be a game that we watch where the Steelers' offense looks pretty or that it looks smooth or that it looks like it's a well-oiled machine. I'm not sure if that's a possibility with this offensive line. Nonetheless, when the team needed a drive... From the future Hall of Fame quarterback, he delivered. The third down conversions, uh, the fourth down conversion to Ray Ray McLeod, where they won the game, that's where they needed him to step up. And he made the plays. The defense did plenty. And the offense, like I said, it wasn't perfect, but his Roethlisberger's late game heroics continue. And they're probably going to continue until the day he officially says, okay, the season's over, I'm done. But those heroics have the Steelers playing another week. And it's those type of moments that, for me, mean more than just a stat line. Ben Roethlisberger has completed 30 of 44 for 244. Not ridiculous numbers. A rating below 100. And there's going to be some that say, oh, that's, should he really be on the winner's list? Yes, he should, in my opinion. Because he had another late game comeback. He took the team down the field and got the W. So he's on the winner's list. Next winner, as expected, TJ Watt. Stat line, five tackles, three solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, one pass defense, one quarterback hit, and one forced fumble. Look, will Watt be given the half sack necessary for him to become the lone sack king? I don't know. I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger sure was lobbying hard for him in his post-game commentary. They were asking him questions, and he said, I'm not sure, but I hope the NFL gives T.J. Watt a half-sack. I hope the NFL gives T.J. Watt a half-sack. Said it more than once, I think maybe two or three times, actually. And it looked like that was the case until that first-half play was ruled a fumble and not a sack. Nonetheless, Watt's name is at least next to Michael Strahan's atop the NFL's all-time sack list. But, uh, you know, other than that achievement... I guess Watt was just his usual dormant, dormant, dominant force on the football field. So I guess it's just another day in the office for T Trent Jordan Watt. No, no hum. A stat line that feels like I'm writing a book, but still, TJ Watt is a monster. If you didn't know that by now, wake up. Chris Boswell's the next winner. Three for threes on, Three for three on field goals. He had the game winner in overtime, and he was one for one on the extra point. What else did you expect here? I mean, really, was anyone watching that kick – the game winner in overtime was anyone even concerned i i wasn't i honest to goodness wasn't there was a time where i would have been not anymore i had it written in the recap i had the tweet like i said already done cuz he is Mr. Reliable and he is well he's reliable and so yes there have been some hiccups along the way he's missed some extra points he missed a couple field goals one in minnesota especially but you know what when it matters most, it seems like Chris Boswell is making the play more than he isn't. He deserves to be on the winner's list because he's just that good. Cam Hayward, stat line, six tackles, six solo, one sack, two tackles for losses, and one quarterback hit. So Hayward got a sack, gave him 10 for the regular season. It's only the second time he's hit double digits in his career. Uh, it's It's often believed, and I, I don't know if the statistics totally break this out, but that he, he plays his best when Stephon Tewitt isn't in the lineup. And for me, that kind of reminds you, if you're a Penguins fan, that sometimes Evgeny Malkin plays better when Crosby's not in the lineup, and vice versa. Uh, and so the one thing that's different with Hayward's season this year in 2021 is that usually if it's not in the lineup, he has Aluwalu next to him to really help ease that burden. He didn't have that this year. He didn't have it, no Aluwalu, He still dominated. In my opinion, this might have been his most impressive game of the season, And if it wasn't for T.J. Watt, I think he'd be getting a lot more attention than what he's currently receiving. But Cam Hayward is just having a phenomenal season. Kudos to him. Just tremendous. The next winner is a group. It's pass catchers. We're talking about Fryermuth, Muth, McLeod, Johnson, Claypool, Gentry. I wanted to add all these players on the winners list, but it just would have been really long. I didn't want to do 14 winners. uh, And so I decided to lump them all into one. And it's not that it, one thing is here with these, this position group, the pass catchers is that not one player had a fantastic game and they all had their ups and downs. Friar Muth, who had the ball. all he had to do is extend the ball to, I think it was in the fourth quarter to extend the drive. He runs out of bounds. It's kind of a rookie moment. Doesn't get the yard to game. Mike Tomlin said he was very upset about that play. Ray Ray McLeod had what looked like a drop. Johnson had a drop. Claypool, uh there was some miscommunication there. They all had their ups though. So they all had their downs. And they all had their ups. Pat Fryermie's huge third down conversion. Uh Johnson's third down conversion. McLeod's huge fourth down conversion. Chase Claypool had some big catches, big runs. And he also had a really key block on Najee Harris's 14-yard run that set up that Boswell field goal. And even Zach Gentry making plays in the passing game. This was kind of that all hands on deck game. They all put their hands in the pile and they all had a say in the win of this game. And that's why I put them all in one on the winners list, because I felt it was all that was important. Next winner is Najee Harris. Stat line eleven carries, twenty eight yards, two point five yard average, four catches for twenty seven yards on four targets. So look in the first quarter, Harris left the game. You're looking at those stat lines, you're thinking Jeff, is this a winning performance? I mean, he didn't play most of the game. He left with an elbow injury, and the elbow injury did not look good. And even though he was listed as probable to return, this the Steelers didn't put him back out there until late in the second half. And so, but when he did come back, that's when you saw things started to uh, matriculate. We'll, we'll use that word. I think as John Madden used to say, they were matriculating their way down the field, down the field. The Steelers, you can see why they wanted him so much in the twenty twenty one NFL draft. The stats aren't mind-boggling, but that 14-yard run to set up the game-winning kick was a run that I don't think any other back on the roster makes. On top of that, the one-handed catch he made uh, in the second half was another one where I don't think any other running back is making that catch on the Steelers roster. If if you're out there listening to this and you're still a doubter about the Najee Harris pick, you shouldn't be. It's time to just admit that he's a keeper. Really good player. Going to be a great player for a long time. Uh, He's a winner. Next winner... It's a player that has not been on this list very many times in his time with the Steelers, and that's Terrell Edmonds. Finishes with three total tackles, three solo, three pass defenses, and he had one interception. Look, I don't know what it is about Edmonds. Fans love to bash this guy, and for a variety of reasons. It's a tackling. I know I've said some things about him and his tackling before, but I thought this game he had – I thought he played tremendous. They had a tremendous game. You could tell – throughout this game, that his job was singular. Negate Mark Andrews. And we saw Mark Andrews make plays, but when he did, guess who was in coverage? It was Arthur Millett, wasn't Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds did a good job negating Mark Andrews when he was assigned to him, and Edmonds was able to take, he was even take the ball away with an interception. It wasn't pretty, but it counted. Thankfully, Mark Andrews hit him before he fumbled the ball, so they didn't have to get into that whole... Did he catch it? Did he not catch it? That endless replay cycle, it was evident he had the ball in his possession when he was down. So I think he's more than deserving to be on this, unless Terrell Edmonds played a great game. Next are the takeaways. The Steelers had three takeaways, only one turnover. The recipe for winning is simple with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Protect the ball, take the ball away, and run the football. Now the Steelers... They took the ball away. They didn't really turn it over. They won the turnover battle. They didn't really run the ball. But still, those three takeaways by the defense, they were a huge different maker. You talk about the Cam Sutton interception, took points off the board. You know, you talk about those fumble recoveries. It's just a tremendous, tremendous game by the Steelers' defense and taking the ball away. If they want to keep winning, that trend has to continue. It has to continue. The next winner is the third down defense. I was actually shocked when I was looking at the box score. I was looking at the box score, and I was like, okay, I'm just looking at stats. I want to see exactly what's going on. What, 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 what went well? What didn't go so well? All that stuff. And I see the third down defense for Steelers held the Baltimore Ravens to 3 for 14 on third down. Couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. But I'll tell you what, that deserves to be noticed. Great job by the Steelers' defense who have struggled at times on third down, even third and longs, getting off the field. I don't care if it's Tyler Huntley. I don't care who's a quarterback. You win on third downs, you have a good chance of winning the game. It's exactly what the Steelers did. Last but certainly not least on the winner's column, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, their stat line, it was a dominating performance. The 15-point underdog Jaguars were able to beat the Colts and not just by squeaking by, they dominated the Indianapolis Colts. It, it, it was to the point, and maybe you're like me. At one point, I'm, I'm following the Steelers, not watching the Colts game, I'm not even checking the score. People on Twitter are, are tweeting at me, Hey Jeff, Colts just scored 7 nothing. Hey, Colts are up 10 nothing, 13-3, to 16-3, 23-10, whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I cannot believe... The way the Steelers game was going, it did not look good. And you're thinking to yourself, are the Steelers going to squander this miracle gift that the Jacksonville Jaguars are giving? Are they, are they going to squander it away? You know, no one in their right mind thought that there was any chance. I didn't predict them to get to the playoffs. Almost everyone on our staff pick said that they weren't going to get to the playoffs. They, they might've predicted that they were going to win this game, but they weren't going to, they didn't predict they were going to win and get an in. So the Jacksonville Jaguars dominated the Colts, and it was it was to the point where you were thinking, oh, my God, I, I cannot believe this might happen. Thankfully, it didn't. Thank you to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. That's rough. That's tough. We'll put it that way. So there are your 10 winners. I'll go back over them again in case you forgot. First was Ben Roethlisberger, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Next was Trent Jordan Watt, TJ Watt. Uh, Chris Boswell, if you want to know his middle name, it's Lynn. Christopher Lynn Boswell, Cam Hayward, the pass catchers, Najee Harris, Terrell Edmonds, the Takeaways, third down defense, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now let's go to the losers list. Only four. Only four. First, I hate to do this, but I have to do this. And it's Presley Harvin the third. He finished with a thirty seven point three average. And I don't want that average for people to say, well, you know, sometimes he had to punt and no, he had plenty of times where he could have gotten some distance on punts and he just couldn't do it or he didn't do it. And I don't want this to come off as cold or lacking sympathy, but Presley Harvin's struggles continued after his two weeks in away while dealing with the loss of his father. That's difficult for anyone. And I'm thankful every day that I still have my father around. But when he came back, the Steelers must have said, okay, he's ready to go. From a physical and a mental and emotional standpoint, he is healthy enough to play. And he just didn't play well. And so now, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, Harvin's struggles are to the point where the Steelers have a very difficult decision to make if they go into the postseason with who's going to be punting the football. They still have Corliss Waitman on their roster. What's going to happen here? You have Waitman who had two good weeks of punting the football. Harvin comes back and, in my opinion, stinks up the joint. He just – it was not good enough. Mike Tomlin likes to say varsity and junior varsity. Oh, that was JV. That was a JV performance. That was junior varsity. And so I feel horrible for the fact that he lost his father. But at the same time, at what point do you have to expect him to perform at a certain level? I think that time is now. I think the Steelers have a tough decision to make. And I'll talk about that more on Wednesday, but he's on the losers list after this game. The Next, we have the offensive line penalties. We're talking false starts and a really key face mask on Joe Haig. The Steelers pre-snap penalties, they continue along that offensive line. Uh, These issues have been many. I mean, I, I could go back almost every single game and point to false starts from running backs to wide receivers to illegal motions, illegal shifts, just Standard fall starts like the Steelers saw with John LaGlue in this game. Chooks of Korafor had one. It was at face mask by Joe Haig, which maybe that wasn't a penalty, but that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that in a second. But that face mask penalty especially negated a really nice catch and run by Benny Snell, and that was one of the worst penalties of the day. Uh, these self-inflicted wounds need to be minimized and quick. They've had stints where they haven't been penalized like that, but when you're on the road, you can't have those mistakes – the Steelers' offensive line penalties need to be fixed right away. Next loser is the officiating. So the Steelers were penalized six times in this game, Baltimore, once. That's the stat line. How an NFL team can be flagged just one time for five yards, that's beyond me. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about another, another game where every time you see a big play made, you're left waiting for a flag. I said this on the post-game show, Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward, he comes up and hits Tyler Huntley. It is a big hit. It's a big hit. Huntley Huntley's helmet comes up, not off, but up. But he hit him with his shoulder. But he got him at the lower part of the the face mask. And everyone's ooh. I just said it in my in my house. I'm sure you said it in your house or wherever you're watching the game. The bar at the game, wherever. Every time you do that, every time someone's like, "Oh, your thing. you here comes a flag. Here comes a flag." But even on a day where things always seem to go against the Steelers, thankfully, it didn't matter in the end, and they were able to find a way to win. But, man, it seems like sometimes these penalties are just really lopsided. The last loser is the NFL scheduling. To me, you know, for the NFL to look at all the scenarios and for them to see that if the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Colts and the Steelers beat the Ravens, The one thing that could keep a team out is a tie. And those two teams are playing in primetime. Why would you choose that game to be there? That's a game that you want playing at the same time. You don't want anything to skew the potential outcome of another game. That's what you're trying to avoid in that final week when when the NFL says, we're not going to have any primetime game on the schedule. We're going to make that decision the week before. So when you knew this scenario was there and it was been there all week, I can't believe they made that call. Now, like I said, at the moment this is being uh, recorded and the moment the article was written, these two teams are playing a very straight-up game. This is a divisional game. I would not expect them to want to lay down for the other. But very uh, several people have said if this game goes overtime, don't expect them to be. They could possibly take a very conservative approach and say we'll tie and we'll both go into the playoffs. Now, could I see that happening in the AFC North? No, not at all. These teams in the AFC North hate each other enough that I could. This would be like the Steelers saying, "Well, you know what, Baltimore. If we were to tie this game in overtime today, we're both going to get in. We're just going to, we're just going to kneel it out." Could you? Th- could you see that happening? I sure as heck couldn't. No way. The AFC West maybe it's different. I didn't think it was. I think those are. It's a pretty contended. A pretty. Uh, uh, I guess we will say it's it's a very competitive division. We'll see. But the NFL's got to do better, in my opinion. They need to be much smarter. So there you have it, the four losers, Presley, Harvin, the third, the offensive line penalties officiating in the NFL overall scheduling. All right, that does it for me. Winners and losers is a wrap. I'm going to be back on Wednesday to talk about all things Steelers. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions for the mailbag. So on Tuesday, make sure you follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. And when I put out that tweet, hit me up underneath that tweet. Make sure you put it under the tweet. Reply to that tweet so I answer your question. So many people say, you didn't answer my question. You didn't follow the directions. I'm a teacher. Follow the directions. It's not that difficult, okay? Have a great day. This Victory Monday should be so sweet for every single Steeler fan. Rock those black and gold colors like you always do, but wear them with a little bit extra swagger. I live in Maryland. You better believe that I'm going to be rocking mine with some serious swagger. So I will be back on Wednesday. In the meantime, as I always finish it out, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go, baby.